0: Media Group Original. You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Real reasons to have hope in this world. Hey, I'm your host Tracy Tiernan and yes, we are on season 4, you guys, and I'm super excited about this episode, a conversation with a guy that I've been listening to for years, Brant Hansen. You might know him if you listen to Bright FM in the evenings. Brant and Sherry are on and uh, he is just he's a winsome radio personality. He's an author of many books that I really love. Uh, And we're going to be talking about his latest one, specifically about the men that we need. And this is really about God's encouragement to men to become what God really intended for them, how God has designed men. And Brandt, with his wit and his wisdom, you're just going to love this conversation. He is a joy so get ready <laughs> let's just jump into it it's brant hansen on your day brighter i'm a fan you make me howl i, I just the the wisdom you do you make me howl with laughter the wisdom um and the humor together It's just an amazing combination. And uh, I really, I appreciate your ministry and your books. Unoffendable rocked my world. Um, Gosh, pass that around to a lot of people that offended me and they really appreciated (laughs)
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know why I felt
0: led to give you this book. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, exactly. No, I know it's funny because I, that a lot of people have had that problem. They're like, "I know so many people who need to read this, but I can't give it to them without them getting upset." So <laughs> know, catch now, too.
0: now you're offending all kinds of uh, people now with this with this new book. Yeah, I, exactly. And I just got started. Congratulations on this. It's called the um, The Men We Need: God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid. Indoorsman, which I think is you, right? Mm. Um, you said that you're an avid indoorsman, or any man willing to show up. This is a fabulous read. I'm uh, maybe four four chapters in, and it again, it's doing that thing that you do so well. Ugh, gosh, you make a great point. You make us think deeply about how we're living our lives, and then you make us laugh. <laughs> and you do it. You do it all together. The um, men we need. So, Brant, why did you write? A book about masculinity and the men we need
1: oh I felt like there was like this gaping hole that that and maybe other people have written similar books and I've just missed it or something that's always possible but it's like we are deconstructing masculinity on one side yeah some of that is really important and good and and healthy Um, but it's like okay but what's the construction so you can deconstruct stuff, but what do you tell a guy? What is what is uniquely distinctly masculine and good? Cause we have these two images or two two parts of the image of God and male and female, they have to, that has to mean something.
0: Right. But
1: then on the other side, it's like, it, there's a lot of books that are, it's really back to, we need to get outside and start camping more or climb mountains or hunt ox with our own bare hands or whatever, whatever it is. And I don't relate to that. <laughs> So there's got to be. I was always like, there's got to be something deeper about what it means to be a man, and then then we can take that picture, what what that is, and whatever our gifts are. If it's outdoorsy stuff, great. But if it's not, if it's other things, then we can use those gifts to to be masculine. So yeah, that's the idea.
0: In in our culture, um, the the messages that are coming at men and women about what masculinity looks like, it seems like it. It goes from one one side, you know, the pendulum swinging back and forth. You know, it's the go hunt something and, and bring it back, or it's even this sort of androgynous sort of thing. There's there's you know a lot of gender confusion and people are really hurting with this area of of gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that? god is speaking to our culture right now you address some of this you go back to the garden can you talk about what it means to be the the keeper of the garden
1: yeah the wild thing about this is if if uh, okay let's start with the keeper of the garden like i'm saying god gave adam a particular role and it is keeper of the garden it doesn't mean he owns it by himself it doesn't mean he's He's lord over it by himself. Ultimately, Eve is his rescuer. Like she's given this this other amazing, huge job, and they're they're made to co-rule um, as with with God. Um, but he's the keeper. That was that was a job he was given. He's supposed to protect it, and he's supposed to cultivate it, um, and he's he's providing this place as somebody's a keeper of the garden where vulnerable species can thrive and things get more orderly and things are better and and, mm. and, and the vulnerable within it are protected. Mm. And so I'm trying to tell guys, like, whatever skills you have, think of it in those terms. Like, your neighborhood should be safer because you're there. People should people should feel more secure because you're around. Mm. And you don't, that, that, that's just a fact. And it turns out, and what when I, when I start with to try to get guys' attention, I'm like, it turns out that women find that really attractive. And you don't need to be good looking. You don't need to be muscular. You don't need to be good with martial arts. You don't have to be great at hunting. You just need to make people feel secure. And it's like every, every time I get a kick out, because every time they do that same survey where they ask women, what's the most attractive occupation, you know, it's always firefighter. Right. Right. So I bring, I bring that up to try to tell guys like, there's something to this and you've, you've read this chapter. I mentioned, because at at the very beginning of the book, I mentioned that there was this poster I kept seeing when I was in college at every girl like there was this christian girls house across the street from our house at the university of illinois and every room had the same poster in it and i was like why this this guy because it's a picture of a guy and i'm like i'm sure he's good looking but there's a million photos of good looking guys i mentioned why do you all have the same exact photo it's because he's it's a profile photo and he's holding a baby and the baby's looking up at him and i asked the i asked the girls, like, what's the deal with this guy? And they said, well, he's cute, but mostly it's how the baby's looking at him.
0: Wow. Wow. And
1: this is the best selling poster of all time.
0: That's, that's stunning to me. It's how the baby was to me.
1: <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to tell guys like, what does that tell you? Cause women are brilliant and intuitive. You don't, you don't become a keeper of the garden and a protector and a, and a source of security in order to be attractive. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying with this book. But women know when we're at our best. And if we were this, and if people were like, okay, maybe there is a, a uniquely beautiful facet to, to being masculine and this is it. We wouldn't even need a me too movement. There because wow. the, because men would get the picture like we're supposed to protect, not betray, not cause pain, not prey on. We protect people from predators. Right. So to, 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 to cause a woman to feel insecure is exact opposite of what your what your role is. I would say God given role um, based on this idea and picture I'm trying to paint.
0: And Brent, it doesn't have to be uh, a, a man like you said, he's, it's not necessarily a man that's like, you know, bulking up and, and having to be right. some sort of physical specimen in order to be a protector. It's not right. about yeah. that at all. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I wonder sometimes if guys are just intimidated by what they think that's supposed to be, and they don't know how to, how to step into that.
1: Well, I have wonderful news for most guys that haven't been yeah. on the cover of Ben's fitness or, you know, outdoorsy <laughs> magazine or whatever it is. I've got good news. Your wife, let's say you're married. She wants to feel secure. And if you make her feel secure with you, and she knows that you are a source of security. She will find you attractive. Conversely, let's say you are ripped. Let's say your abs are incredible. Let's say you're great at all the manly stuff. You got the task, the giant truck, everything. Like, you <laughs> got all that. Like, that's there's nothing wrong with it. It really isn't. Right, like, that's, right. That's fine. Like, I, that's awesome. But let's say you have all of that and you're incredibly good looking and you're a firefighter. And, <laughs> but... You don't make her feel secure. She actually feels insecure. Maybe you flirt Mm. with other women. Maybe you're so into yourself and your own body that you don't notice her or maybe you cut her down. She doesn't feel secure around you. She will not find you attractive. Mm. And in fact, your muscles will become a detriment. She'll actually resent them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's why, like it's really good news because what's what initially is attractive maybe to females when they're, when they're less mature, like, they, they, they're, they're thinking these are signifiers of he'll, he'll come to the point where he will make me feel secure. And we, if you don't do it, then again, they, they count you as somebody who's not respectable.
0: Wow. That is so true. I've been married now for eight and a half years. So I got married a little later in life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, and my husband and I are so, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for second chances. Um, but there's one defining moment that I can point to that describes exactly what you're saying when he's such a protector and a cover of my heart. I was, I was at an event where I was sharing a a very vulnerable story from my personal life uh, about having an abortion. And it was at a pregnancy clinic banquet, Mm -hmm. right? And I shared my story and it was a big ballroom. And when I was done, there was a long walk back to the table. (laughs) And he came all the way from the back of that room and was standing right there when I got off that mm. platform and just wrapped me up.
1: Um, nice said,
0: yeah. He said, there was no way I was going to let you pour your heart out like that, bare your soul, and then walk alone. And that's exactly what you're talking about. He wasn't flexing. He, you know, he wasn't doing anything that might be the stereotypical cliche manly man mm. thing. He saw me and he covered me.
1: That's a great story. That is a that is exactly what I'm talking about. And women who have men like that swoon over it.
0: Totally. I mean,
1: it's because and it, it, again, it just points at that that there is something uniquely beautiful about masculinity that we should be able to articulate.
0: Hmm.
1: Like we're afraid of articulating something distinctly good, and it's, it's like. We can say, well, women can be keeper of the garden too, and they can. But we're—it's right. like it's like saying, well, I can take trash to the to the dump with my with my Corolla. You can, but a dump truck is like made for it. It's like, <laughs> like it's—you can. But like this is our thing, and it flips our switch. And you can even tell a young—you can tell a boy. I did with my kid. This is this is part of what went into this book. But I told Justice when he was younger because he was picking on his little sister, Julia. And I told him, like, wait a second, because she was she was yelling like, Justice, stop it. And I went back into the room, you know, like, Justice, you're supposed to protect your little sister. You're actually what she needs to be protected from now. Hmm. You have a you have a job. And I it had never occurred to me to put it that way before. And I certainly hadn't. But I don't think I think they were like nine and six at the time. I honestly don't remember ever having a problem after I told him that.
0: Wow. It was a game changer Never, for him.
1: It was because, it, again, this is it's not just women who recognize this is what we're for. Even boys recognize it. You can tell a six or five year old boy, and he'll get it like you are here to protect the wow. vulnerable. That's why you don't hurt an animal. That's why you don't hurt women. That's why you don't hurt other people who are smaller than you. You protect them and they will be like, got it. And, and it's it's enlivening. It, it It fills all their stories. It fills our superhero like all of this. like we get that so so instinctively that should tell us something about what we're made to be.
0: Oh I love that. It should tell us something about what we're made to be. Yeah. Um, and that is that's so beautiful. I, I want to ask you some about the the six decisions that you talk about in the book, but but before I do, can I ask you personally, I mean you've been married to Carolyn. How many years have you guys been married?
1: Thirty-two.
0: Wow! Amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Um, probably hard to pick out one moment, but it, can you describe a moment in your marriage where you you felt that protector? You you stepped into that God-given space yeah. that you were created for.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's funny because you can actually see it happen in real time. It's on YouTube. Is that is right? Weird. Really? Yeah, I will try to keep this story short, but my wife was attacked. Um, and that's not on YouTube, thankfully, but it was in the middle of the street, like in the in, in mid morning. We lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, she called me and she was frantic and told me what had happened. And She she was okay. Uh, you know, physically, she was thrown on the ground and roughed up a guy threw a hammer at her head out of nowhere. Just it's crazy stuff. Oh, my gosh. Well, the, she called the police. You know, we called the police. They didn't arrest him. They would not arrest him. And he lived in our neighborhood. And he would keep walking past our window. We lived practically on this on the street in the little brownstone. And I kept calling the police. I, I would follow this guy on foot. Like we would call nine one one. Like I know where he is. I know his address. I know his name. I know he's here right now. I can see him across the street. Come get him. And they never would. And so I finally, this was a few weeks later. I'm like, this can't continue. My wife does not deserve to be terrorized. Like, so I put on a, a suit coat, tried to look nice, and I drove downtown. I didn't even know where the city hall was. And I'm not making this up. But I went, I looked like building the building, and I was asking people, like, is this a city building? No, this is this and that. Like, I walk in this one building, finally, and there's a press conference going on in the lobby. Is immediately after walking in. And it's the mayor and the police chief and the head detective and they were asking for they were doing a press conference to ask uh the community to get involved in fighting crime what?
0: and there you are there i
1: was and i have my suit come, and so there's all these cameras i walked in behind the reporters and cameras but i just told my wife i left i said i'm going downtown i'm not coming back until they arrest the guy i'm not coming back I'm wow. Like I'm, I'm, I will I will sit at the mayor's office. Uh, he will not be able to get rid of me like I'm going to find it. Well, anyway, I happen to walk in the press conference. So they're just wrapping up and I hear them saying, so we need the community to get involved. Any other questions? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a question. And they actually pointed at me like, go ahead, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, wow.
1: Yeah. And I said, uh I said, my question is, why won't you arrest the guy who attacked my wife if you want to help fighting crime? And all the TV cameras swung around on me. So you can actually watch it on YouTube. You probably just have to search Harrisburg. I think the headline was Harrisburg man crashes press conference.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: You can hear me determinedly saying, you're going to deal with this now. And they want to say, no, we don't want to deal with this in front of the media. And I'm saying, I do though. And you are gonna deal with it because I've called you, I've told you this, I've given you that, you've not you haven't done a thing. And I want to I want to see you do something. So you it actually it made the news, all of that. And uh so my my wife thought that was really cool. Like,
0: yeah, I bet she did. I mean, you were relentlessly protecting her.
1: (laughs) But, But I don't always let me tell you, let me tell you what what I mean by this. Like a lot of guys will say, Well, I would obviously I'd protect my wife. If any intruder comes in this house. You know i will step up and like that's good obviously but someone pointed this out and i put this in the book too like most of the time the intruder is us with our words with our lack of blessing for our wives with our little Mm. things that we can say to make our wife feel insecure not Mm. saying things enough we Mm. become the intruder who needs to be protected like so my my the best way I can protect my wife is for me to grow up and and become more of a mature believer mm. who's more loving and more peaceful, less angry, mm-hmm. more quick to forgive. Then this security, I was I'm trying to put that in the book too. Like this security that you have will emanate and it, and it will set the tone. Instead of chaos in the house, it'll be this secure. You know, you got problems, but things, everybody kind of knows where they stand and things are good because right. you're secure.
0: Right. You say something in the book about, um, let's see if I can, you said, you said, think, think about the horror of, of looking back on your life and realizing it was all about you. Um, basically, your point was you might never become the man that you were tended to become and how terrifying yeah. that is.
1: Yeah, I was really trying to encourage guys too. it's such a big deal. I mean, I love video games. You know, I, I really do. I could play them forever and times, really? yeah. But I can't. I can't uh, spend that kind of time with it. And the same thing obviously goes for stuff like pornography or something. Like, I'm trying to tell younger guys, but all of us, like these fake things, will deliver dopamine hits,
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: make it easier in some ways because you get to you get the dopamine without the actual real world accomplishment. Mm-hmm hmm. So it's like you don't want to look back in your life and your accomplishments were virtual. And the other thing is a fake woman pixels on a screen will never call you out to grow up and you'll miss out on growing. We needed you to become who you who you were made to be. We needed you. hmm. A real woman will. She'll challenge you. She'll argue with you. She will she will present you with opportunities to serve. You know, like I just joked about like a, a fake woman will never ask you at 2 a.m. to go to CVS because she doesn't feel good. But a real like, woman but, will. <laughs> but real woman, like, but that's what that's what grows you up. Like yeah. it's, it's by taking responsibility and it's beautiful and it's profound. But we need to say that it's beautiful and profound so that guys get the picture. because mm-hmm. Right now, they're not given any picture of beauty and profundity in life and what role they should play. So, of course, it's video games and pornography because there's no there's no bigger. You have to have a bigger vision. So that you can go, oh, that's it. That's what's going to bring life.
0: You really dive into the the, the pornography, uh, the fake versus the real in your book. I'm really glad that you went right for that subject. Because I know so many people are struggling with that. Oh, yeah. And
1: yeah, they need
0: to know that it's not okay. It's not like one of these things thats that don't accept it as just being like a not a big deal. It's a big deal.
1: It is because, again, it's it's stopping you. From becoming who you should have been and we Mm -hmm. miss out so the ethos in our culture at large is generally like well as long as i'm not hurting anybody else what's the matter you know right you can think you can just sit in your room it doesn't matter but you are hurting other people Mm -hmm. because you're not becoming who you should have been and we needed you out here we need like there's people who are hurting need protected like that There's a one, like, let's say you're a 20 year old guy and all you do is virtual stuff like this. Like, well, there there might be a woman who would have appreciated you growing up and being a fantastic husband and father to her children, but instead you didn't grow up. We needed you. Right. So the idea that you're, 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 there's this myth of private sin. Nothing is private. It always reverberates out from you. And I'm trying to tell guys too, in that chapter, it's not a big guilt trip, honestly. Like, God loves us anyway. Right. But when we have a bigger vision for life, it's easier to say no to this stuff. If it's, mm. if it's just about willpower, it's very difficult. But if he has start having a bigger vision, you can't. And the good news is I'm trying to say, there's actually some good news about this. A lot of things that we can get diagnosed for, or how should I say that we can struggle with like depression, yeah. um, anxiety, anxiety, uh, Attention span issues, just sullenness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When they've the experience has been for people who do get away from pornography, for instance, and they they break away from it for a few months, they start realizing I'm not as sullen as I used to be. I'm more social. I have more energy to do stuff. I'm not depressed. What happened? So a lot of the stuff that is holding us back, once we once we can break past this, there's there's this there's just awesome stuff that opens up to us. And I want people to be excited about that.
0: That's something to be excited about. You say that a man needs to take responsibility for his own spiritual life. How, how can a man do that? And, and, and is that possible for even like a young man who maybe doesn't have an mm-hmm. older man or a spiritual father or a mentor like that in his life?
1: Yes. And I have good, again, this is good news too. It's not just like, Hey, you know, step up, do something. Like it's not just that. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Like We need men to stand up, stand up in what? So I'm, I'm trying to be more specific about what we're actually supposed to be doing. You're
0: very specific. And I really appreciate yeah, that. This is not, this, this book will make the guy, this isn't a beat guys up kind of book. This no. is a casting of vision. Um, That is, that is great for men. It's, it's a very encouraging breathe.
1: Here, here's what I'm trying to tell guys. Like a lot of us, not all, I mean, obviously, but the blanket statement, we tend to be a little more analytical. We're not as emotional as maybe church culture. Mm. Like so, so our culture at large, beyond church, is set up around feelings. Mm-hmm. Feelings win everything now. I mean, logic is out the door. Got it. <laughs> but in church culture, that can also be a problem when it's when it's associated with God's presence, is if I'm feeling his presence. Well, his presence doesn't depend on my emotions. So and so if, if you don't get goosebumps at church and you feel like I must be missing out on something, like everybody else is having this amazing wow, I can feel God in this place experience. Or I just don't even relate. Well, that's me too. I I rarely feel, if ever, feel God in this place. I just don't even know. It doesn't compute to me. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, maybe that's my problem or we're all created differently. But I have good news. Your emotions don't change God and he's not actually looking for emotions. He's looking for believing loyalty. Hmm. So I'm a sinner. I know that I have stuff I get into and I I have to talk to God about it. But it's not going to stop me from talking to God about it. I'll just keep showing up every day. I'm going to keep talking to him. So I do. Every morning when I'm walking the dog, I'm I'm having a meeting with God about what we're doing today and what I need from him. Hmm. Uh, but guys can get that once once they once they're told that, like, there's where your growth is going to come from. It's not about up and down roller coasters of feeling God or not. Wow. It's about loyalty Well, loyalty is something that guys can get. I mean, we, we have to practice that in a number of areas. We know what duty means, mm-hmm. but this, this love of God is so consistent and intense. And he's asking us to return that loving kindness every day. Well, that's something I can do, even if I'm not feeling it. I show up same thing with marriage. You may not be feeling it, but you still honor your wife. You're loyal like that's that's love. So I just think I think I'm trying to tell guys like, so what I want you to do is keep showing up and talking to God because he's in this for the relationship with us. And mm-hmm. what an opportunity we have, too, because he's he's who he is for us to be able to have a face to face meeting with him. I mean, that's an opportunity. He's looking for loyalty. and I think we can do that and once we're told that it's a it's it seems a little less spooky. Because we associate spirituality with emotions, but it's not about emotions.
0: Right. Right. We do associate it with it. I I think you're absolutely right. And how freeing it is to learn. I, I I wonder if men really feel the pressure. Of that, Even more so than women. I know I'm stereotyping a little bit here, but uh, maybe women are, we're just more comfortable with expressing the emotions and live a little bit more in our emotions. And if guys are feeling like that's the only way to have this relationship with God, that's pretty much going to count you out right from the get go.
1: I felt that way. I was like, I'm missing something. Maybe God's left me. Wow. Okay. So, but it's interesting. There are a lot of women who relate to what I'm talking about a lot. Yeah. I I remember talking about this for the first time I was at a church and I mentioned it. And um, this couple came up and they're like, you described us to a T and she said, I'm an engineer. I'm analytical. I don't feel all this stuff. And my husband's really like into worship. And he's just feeling it. She's like, I thought something was wrong with me. Wow. And it's like, no, emotions can be good, but they are also misleading it doesn't change the truth and you can even talk to your emotions so i'm telling guys this too like if you're feeling depressed or anxious do what david does in the psalms and say why are you so downcast on my soul mm-hmm. put your trust in god or jeremiah does the same thing you can actually talk to those because it doesn't reflect reality but you can address address it with reality about how good god is and how how you don't need to be anxious because he's going to take care of everything mm-hmm. I mean, it's a biblical idea.
0: When you talk about um, men and women stepping into their, you know, God, God-given, God uh, beautiful, um, I don't want to say role in a limiting kind of way, but you're really casting a vision for, you know, a space that God has for men to step into. That also means that there's a, a space for women to step into. Can you talk a little bit about can I go and, uh, you know, that role that women can be in a man's life, and why women need to read this book too.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's it's tricky because Azer always gets translated "helpmate" or something, "help me" or "helper." Yeah, and it doesn't always get translated that way in other contexts. The same exact word, it's rescuer, and it's used to describe God Himself, <laughs> in addition to Eve. So whenever it's like well, there's this guy and then there's this, his his little helper, it's <laughs> like that, that's no. not <laughs> that's not the biblic that's not the biblical picture at all. Yeah, she is a rescuer, and and w- when they use it later on in the Old Testament, it's describing God coming with His armies as a rescuer, yeah. so in in strength. So I like the idea. I've I've heard a, a rabbinical like. A, understanding of how men and women work. It's like, we're, we're two, two by fours and we're propped up against each other like a, like a triangle off the ground, but it's that tension that keeps us up higher. Mm. I like that image. So we're distinct. We're distinctly different. We're a lot the same, but we are, where well, there are distinct differences and we're, but there's always this tension, but it actually makes us better. Hmm. Um, so there's there's book to be written about that, and and I lack the expertise to do it. but <laughs>
0: I'm glad that you wrote this one. Um, and I, I love even reading in the the forward and in the introduction, your your friend Sherry writes beautifully about why she wanted you to write this book because she's seen you. I don't want to embarrass you, but she's seen you be this, this kind of man. And she, and she even talked about how she didn't grow up in a, a family where that was modeled or demonstrated.
1: Like the reason she was struck by it though, is because she's also from a family of manly guys. Like, so they're all, she's from Pittsburgh. They're miners and shop workers and football players. And like, then she comes and joins me on my show. I got puppets. I play the flute. I have an accordion. (laughs) But then to see, so that that was the striking thing to her was like, well, wait a second, because there's all the trappings of masculinity. And this guy doesn't necessarily have those, not all of them. But what is masculinity? And she's like, I could see that his family was secure. Right. His kid, the way his kids reacted to him, the way his wife reacted to him. And she's like, that's it. And so she was a big part of why I wrote this book, because she encouraged me to do it. Mm. To say this, this is this is all guys. It's not just. Right. Right outdoors, indoors, IT guys or archers or it's like it's this calling is for all of us. I think
0: oh, that's beautiful. The calling is for all of us, um, whatever, you know, your your hobbies are um, or the exterior might look like, whether you play flutes, uh, play a flute or have a puppet or you play football, there's <laughs> something here that God is God has for you to step into uh, taking responsibility, um, showing up. Um, protecting. I I love what you said earlier about, you know, your, your neighborhood should be, should be safer because you're in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, This is the kind of stuff I would think that would make men like kind of puff up their chests and go, yeah, yeah, I'm up for that.
1: Protect the vulnerable. You don't own them, but you help to cultivate them. Yeah. Like the people in your circle of influence, that's your, that's your garden, Mm. whatever influence you have. So you bring it to your workplace, your school, whatever, where, where people thrive because of what you do. So that's, that's my thing. If you think about a gardener, there are species that will not thrive in the wilderness, mm-hmm. but in a garden, they bloom and they're beautiful and they're spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. so that's my, I feel like that's my job. How can I allow the vulnerable? How can I create my space so that vulnerable things, people can, can thrive and bloom like my wife, like, how do, I, how do I help her to bloom? And she mm. does the same thing for me, but I, I feel like that's my whole role as a, as a keeper of the garden.
0: Mm. Mm. That is beautiful. What would you say is the greatest hindrance right now to men who are wanting to grab a hold of this, this grander vision for what masculinity can be, for what God's called them to? What's the, what's the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle that they're going to
1: have to get through? They literally don't know. What the vision is? Hmm. I, I feel like we have these puzzle pieces. This is Christian guys too, church people and church culture. Co- we have all these puzzle pieces, but we don't have the box top. Wow. To see what the big picture is supposed to be, but you have to have a vision again. And I, I don't. That's that's why I'm like, okay, let's construct something. It's really easy to deconstruct things. Honestly, it is academically. I'm well familiar with with deconstructionism, but not just that. Just in general, like building a Lego tower to the ceiling. Like, it takes forever, and then kid comes, knocks it over, and everybody giggles, and it takes one second to knock it down. But it's like <laughs> we need, we need, we need a vision. If it's not my book, fine, but but somebody needs to. This needs to catch on, so guys know what we're for that's the, that's the biggest problem right now. Honestly, I feel like that's the thing, the other stuff we can deal with from that basis, like, like the stuff that trips us up, like video games and pornography and fake life. And like, Mm -hmm. we have to have a vision to replace all of that. And I, yes, yes. So there you go.
0: To know what we're for, to know what we're aiming for. Well, yeah, um, yeah, thank you. And I, yeah, I really, I, I pray God just gets this message out, um, that, lots of people read it um women men i'm thinking of like there's so many people that i want to give it to because this makes my heart ache and also feel so hopeful because they're i i get excited when you cast a vision that you know is a vision of god's vision for us i get excited because i know he's actually helping us work that out so it's not just us trying to manipulate something or create something on our own It's there for us and he will actually help us get it. And so let's get there.
1: (laughs) If people are resistant to any articulation of of distinct, distinctly masculine distinctives. Think how much you can still disagree with me, but think how much better our culture would be if guys actually inhabited this. Mm. Think of of the children that wouldn't be abandoned. Mm. Think of the women who wouldn't be taken advantage of. Think of the abuse that would not happen. Like think of the lies that would not be told anymore. Like, so even if somebody's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I should, we should like, okay, you might still want to root for this, <laughs> you know? So thank you so much for, for letting me go on about that.
0: I thank you for saying it. We were made for so much more. We really were so <sighs> Brant Hanson. Thank you so much. Honored.
1: My pleasure. Honored too.
0: And I'm going to go on YouTube right now and look for that video. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think if you search Brand Hansen or Harrisburg or something like that. I was at Family Life doing this interview last week, and I had just talked about that. And I literally had guys in the control room had it up on a big screen, and they were actually watching it during the interview just to make sure that I was legit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you're legit. I know I'm going to find okay. it. I'm
1: looking forward Good. to
0: it. Um, so for people that want to find out more about um, about the book, they, should they just go to brenthansen.com?
1: They can. It's it. It's on all the Amazon places and Barnes and Noble and all that. There's an audiobook, all that stuff too. So.
0: Okay, your your voice is is very special, and Thanks. this world needs men like you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. You're very kind.
0: Oh my goodness! I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brant Hansen. Thank you so much for listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. I really want to thank our fabulous team for pulling it all together and making this happen. Todd Gaddy, Aaron Branham, Caroline Burke, Jared Akehurst, our executive producer, John Lawhan. Your Day Brighter, the podcast is produced by me, Tracy Tiernan. And you know what we like to say around here, right? Tell somebody your story or better yet, ask to hear theirs. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next week.